Looking for health info? This is Health News House Call, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's podcast. We're here to provide you with the tools and resources to make informed decisions about your health. Here, our expert providers will provide you with wellness tips, information, and general health advice. This is House Call. Living in the COVID-19 pandemic, the spread of monkeypox, mass shootings, acts of hate and terrorism, we're seeing more and more tragedies every day. The news is 24-7 and our kids are exposed to a lot of violence and trauma. So you might be wondering, how do you talk to your children about what they're seeing and how can we help them cope? So today we're here with child and adolescent psychiatrist, Dr. Ulrich View. Thanks so much, Dr. View, for being here. We really appreciate you. Well, thank you for having me. So as you heard, there's a lot going on in the yeah. world right now. Kids are exposed to probably more tragedy than ever just based on you know having social <laughs> media and the news being 24-7 at all times. So kind of just maybe to get us started in this conversation, at what age do you start having these kind of difficult conversations with kids? Well, I think the key thing is understanding your child individually. So I think uh, a lot of it depends on, first and foremost, you want to have a clear relationship with your child where your child feels comfortable speaking to you. And of course, the key thing is being able to speak to your child in reference to child-appropriate issues. I guess looking into maybe a specific topic, Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if we can kind of break it down for parents on how to make something a little more child-appropriate. So looking at like the mass shootings that there were in Texas, that's probably something a kid is really going to internalize because they go to school. Exactly. So how would you go about starting that conversation? Well, I would start that conversation by saying that first and foremost, you're loved and you are protected. So making sure that your child feels secure and safe within their environment. I'd also say that in many ways, each generation has their specific struggle. So for example... You can mention that, you know, some of the stuff that you may have faced growing up from your time. So, for example, 20, 30 years ago, we had 9-11. Historically, if you look at certain communities, you had issues of of lynching. I mean, we've always had these types of tragedies. So now this is the thing that we have to deal with right now in 2022. And I guess the key thing is kind of encouraging and understanding, making sure this child feels secure that the child is not by themselves. There are school teachers, principals, law enforcement that are dedicated in making sure that our environment is safe. With that said, there are certain security measures that we have to take control of. So I I guess the key thing, and what really makes people afraid of these, these discussions and this entire situation is the fear that you're not in control. But in many ways, enforcing ways in which your child can be in control is very uplifting and encouraging. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think a lot of these mass tragedies are things that people feel like I had no control in. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. I guess setting that baseline of making sure, you know, they feel safe in where they go and what they Mm -hmm. do is probably going to be crucial to them being okay exactly exactly so 
if you're having this conversation and you notice that your child is or child or even it doesn't have to be your child the child just mm-hmm. that you you know are around if you notice that they are really impacted by something i guess what what are the steps to take to kind of help them come through it because i mean in a perfect world you'd have a conversation you say you know what you're safe you're loved and we got this and you move on and everything's okay but i can imagine it's probably not for someone who really is impacted by what they've seen Mm -hmm. so i guess what are the steps you take in you know kind of guiding them in the right way well i think the first step as a parent or as an adult within the community is trying to gauge how you feel about what's happening because the thing about it is that kids can pick up from our energy. So, for example, I have, I have a young young baby girl, and when she's like running around and she if she trips and I really don't have a reaction, she's gonna she's gonna get up and keep on, you know, running around. But if she sees a fear from myself or my wife's eye, like oh my god, I can't believe you've had this awful fall, then she'll start crying. So I think a lot of it is, is, is kind of understanding how, how do we feel as parents sending our kids to school, understanding these, these tragedies. So I think first we have to, to try to be, I don't know if we, can, if we can ever fully accept it or feel really comfortable, but at least dealing with how can we deal with the situation. And once we have a certain amount of acknowledgement or um of, of of what's happening then you can speak to to your child because the key thing is the one thing that you want to make sure is that you do not want your child to feel isolated that they're by themselves that they do not have power um an example of that as a psychiatrist when i'm in the emergency room and i'm speaking to a person that that has suicidal ideation. One of the things that I will try to determine the severity or the likelihood of this person actually, you know, committing to committing suicide is where do they stand? Is there a level of hopelessness? Are they isolated? Those are, are red flags. Whereas if this person has a support system, if this person has hope for the future, that is a, a more encouraging sign of a long-term prognosis of that person. Hence, that same thought process can also apply to how you educate and how you speak to your children. You do not want your kids to feel isolated. You do not want them to feel alone. You want them to feel as if, well, this is a struggle that our country is going through and let's work together as a country as a society as a community that is incredible insight and it's something that i wasn't even thinking about going into this conversation but about you as the parent or the caretaker you're kind of the baseline for this child on how they're going to interpret what's going on so the emotions that you're going to have will definitely impact them so that is so important i guess making sure that you feel grounded mm-hmm. enough to have kind of a thoughtful conversation and you're not you know sporadic and you know yeah. getting them extra scared you exactly. know 
and it, and it goes back to follow up on the point that I made about not feeling isolated or not feeling by yourself. One of the things that the parents can do is being involved in the PTA of your school, reaching out to law enforcement, saying, well, you know, are, there, are we doing drills if this happens? Actually having these conversations, speaking to your, your local politicians or people that are running for office, what are your plans to deal with this? So once you start having these conversations and there's, there's an actual plan, there's an actual thought process, that within itself will, will, will alleviate some of the discomfort we have in what's happening. That's another great point. I think it's just educating yourself first, mm -hmm. and that's going to give you a little bit of power. And whether, whether it is, you know, something like a mass shooting where you're talking to the school or law enforcement about like what are our plans, mm -hmm. or if it's even something tragic like someone in your family getting diagnosed with cancer, yeah. I feel like it has to be educating yourself mm -hmm. so that you can kind of feel a little empowered about the conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So. Are there any, I guess, off-limit topics that you would keep away from kids? The way I would address that is that as a parent, you want to make sure the lines of communication are always open. And so I wouldn't necessarily say concretely, never say this, never talk about this, because again, you don't want to stigmatize something. So if God forbid, someone was touching your child inappropriately, you'd want your child to feel comfortable in speaking to you about that. Right. Um, I, I, I think of cases that I've treated, you know, adolescents that I've treated that, that had this issue. They didn't feel comfortable talking to their parents. And subsequently, they engaged in behavior, put themselves in situations that were not to their best interest. And a lot of it, fundamentally, if the relationship was with the was stronger with the parent, and this is not necessarily a criticism of the parent, but the child could feel that if I told my parent that this is what what happened, the fear that the the parent would would respond in a way that would put the parent's life in danger or the parent would get arrested, that that fear terrified that child where they didn't feel comfortable speaking to the parents. So, so it goes back to the issue of being a parent is probably the toughest job you will have. And I think it's okay for parents to acknowledge that, but it's also very important for parents to be able to, to find support system, find a, a good set of people to provide them, them the support and encouragement that they need in really handling a very, very difficult lifetime job. Yeah, you said it. Um, it is, it's a wild ride, you yeah, know, exactly. the highs and lows. Um, but you've touched on so many good points about just kind of like the relationship you have with your child is kind of the baseline for everything. It's everything. It's so everything. you have a, a great clinical perspective and a parenting perspective mm -hmm. when you talk to your daughter how are you i guess fostering that relationship to have that trust the this conversation that i have with my 14 year old is completely different to the conversation that i'm having with my six-year-old yeah. 
So I guess one of the things, and this is also a generational thing that we have to look at, but I will say, if you're looking at some of the the techniques, the modalities that uh, psychiatrists and mental health professionals are using in 2022, and I'm talking about in reference to dialectical behavioral therapy or content behavioral therapy or psychodynamic uh, psychotherapy, or the father of them, of them all, psychoanalysis, one of the things that we really try to emphasize is to not be judgmental when you're speaking with your children. Now, with that said, I'm not saying to not have boundaries. You have to have boundaries. I mean, boundaries are essential. And it's important to speak to your children about boundaries. I mean, the bottom line is that I expect you, I mean, there's going to be a curfew. You can't, you know, do whatever you want to do. So so the boundary has to be to be there. But by the same token, I can't necessarily be judgmental to the point where my child doesn't feel comfortable speaking to me. And I can tell you, I cannot be judgmental when I'm speaking to a patient. Because if a patient feels I'm being judgmental, they will not want to, to speak to me. Or they will not want to divulge information that I may need to better serve them. So I always want to be uh, empathic, open ears, you know, non-judgmental, but by the same token, being very, very supportive. If there's one thing that makes raising children so difficult is a concept that people may not want to be involved or actually talk about what's going on. And I think that's an issue that we do need to need to address as a, as a culture. Yeah, making kind of like the question earlier, like making no topic off limits. Exactly. You know, exactly, making things exactly. okay to talk about. Exactly. So you kind of sparked something for me by um, saying, you know, don't be judgmental when you're talking to kids. And I can imagine, I have a young daughter too. I don't have a teenager, but I can imagine mm. once you hit that teenage years, it's going to be harder to not express judgment if something if you disapprove, you yep. know? So are there, I guess, strategies you could say exactly. to a parent on like how to learn how to control your emotion and your reactiveness? Because I can imagine if your kid comes home and says, you know, they're doing X, Y, Z, and all three things are things that you would disapprove yeah. of. How do you kind yeah. of control that? I think the key thing, and that's, that's a really good point. I think it's important to kind of um, further explain that. I mentioned the concept of boundaries that you have to have boundaries and one of the ways to kind of maintain boundaries is having values so if your child is doing something that is not in line with the values that you were that were raised in the home it's fine to, to address it from that perspective but the key thing the issue of judgment is that there's a certain amount of emotion that's being elicited when you so when you so if you say oh, I can't believe you did that that's awful 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 that becomes much more emotional and you want you want behavior to be more grounded and coming from the self from a certain amount of, of intellect rather than just pure pure emotion um, because one of those kind of things I mean. 
if a person is just doing it strictly from the emotion or they're just they're afraid of the judgment, like I said before, that can really stifle communication. Whereas if you're having this discussion from a value perspective, from a perspective of Hawaii, it's important for you to have boundaries and that boundaries can protect yourself. That will be much more effective than coming across as being very judgmental. Because that stifles dialogue. And the last thing that you want to do is stifling dialogue. And hence, as I said before, that's why I think it's important for parents for parents themselves not to be to feel isolated. You know, to be able to have a support system for yourself. So where would you advise parents to kind of build that team? Yeah. Um for me I found that the most effective way to do that is granted to friends to to family but even, even at that that can be that, that can be a little bit you know i can see where problems can arise from that perspective but I, I do feel that really being involved in your in your child's school is important i'm a big proponent of kids having after school activities and uh so being active with uh and knowing the parents within uh the school activities that 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 your kids take a part of it is also is also essential so i think you know having those 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 type of those type of discussions um i think that in many ways in which i've seen you know from from an effective manner is being able to actually know the parents of your children's friends and that within itself, being able to have discussions with them helps the the dialogue, the relationship with your own child. And making and, and it, go, it goes back to the perspective of, of seeing that we all have similar values. I think that goes a long, long way. Yeah, I'm sure that has to be good for you as a parent. One, yeah. to have people to kind of confide in. And two, to get to know the the parents that your kids are going to be around exactly. and see if you guys kind of align on exactly. certain things. Exactly. And another advantage of that is by once there's a, you know, you're, you know, the parents, uh, there's a relationship with, with the the parents of, of your children, you can actually be proactive. You can kind of, you know, prevent some of these issues that we're, we're seeing. So I think that's also an important aspect as well. What do you mean by being proactive? Pro- proactive. So, I mean, one of the things is that um, teenage drinking mm-hmm. is a is a major issue, you know. So, you know, knowing parents saying that, you know, this is something that within our value system, that's not necessarily something that's, that's acceptable. And actually having stuff, you know, conversations like that and other things, that is important because that within itself, by getting that that data per se, this is ways that which you can speak to your child. Well, you know, I know your friend, parents may what are maybe doing this, but if you do hang out with them, that's not a acceptable pattern in our household. So just maintaining that 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 dialogue is 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 important. 
tough conversations to be yeah. had all around. My gosh. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm sure it has to help in the long run. Um, I guess when it comes to having these difficult conversations, whether it's violence or trauma or anything like that, does it matter where you do it? You know, like, should you do it in your home? Should you do it on a walk? I'm just trying to lay out for people, like, you know, here's yeah. what you should do if if you need to to do these things. Yeah. I think a lot of it first is based on the culture of, of, of your family. Okay, um, yeah. Where do you find most common? Where do you guys speak? Um, you know, many times for some families, you know, going on a walk is where people feel comfortable other people maybe is just you know having dinner together as a family is where people feel feel comfortable um some certain families it could be like you know reading to your child before they go to go to bed especially for, for a younger younger kid um so I, th I think a lot of it depends on 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 where on what um stage you are with your your child um, I will definitely recommend, though, especially when you have teenagers, it may be good to just purposely say, hey, let's go out on a walk for 10, 15 minutes. Just you and me, like one parent. Uh, and let's just go and, t and talk about something, you know. But making sure that they find a place where they're there, that they feel comfortable. Um, because, again, you know, each child is different. You know, maybe a child may open up when they're, playing video games <laughs> yes so, so I, I think i think a lot of it is is understanding where your child would be would be more more most receptive to having this conversation yeah that makes sense just kind of finding where you're comfortable where they're comfortable and going from there exactly are there any i guess uh limitations that you would try to set or would advise people setting about like I'm I'm trying to say about the kind of continuous exposure we have to bad news. Yeah. So like watching the news in the morning, if your kids are there, should you should you not be doing it cuz it's they're going to be seeing, okay, you know, in Brooklyn there was another shooting cuz exactly, every exactly, day exactly. you see more and more. And that's not, not not just our kids. I mean, that's our society as a whole. Um I do feel that people do need need to limit some of their their um, usage of social media, whether it's the news or not, because a lot of that stuff. I mean, the news that you're getting right now, it's so biased. The, the it doesn't even matter what political party you're 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 follow. I mean, there's 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 no moderate voices anymore, um, especially in the mainstream. So you, you have to be very very careful of that. So I think it's important to to try to try to minimize your consumption of social media as 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 most as as possible so i think that's that's a key thing to 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 look into um and again but the reality of the matter is that it is the reality of getting access to to data for, for lack of a better word is so Mass. It's, it's so big as compared to what we went, through, especially when I, I was going through. So I think this is where that, that communication with your your child is so, so vital. Because you can't, I mean, I remember like 
when I was in high school or when I was in college, you know, there was the issue, well, you know, parents are responsible for listening to the music that their kids are listening to. But now you can't you can't say that it's 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 everywhere. Uh, so I think this is where it's that that one to one communication is so important. And understand that each generation is a little bit different. So it's probably more vital, more important that uh, parents really focus on that one to one dialogue with their child as compared to previous generations because there's so much information there's so many things to to possibly lead people astray much more than in previous generations yeah i think that's a great point it's just kind of still coming back to the relationship you have because no matter what they're going to be exposed yeah, to other exactly, things exactly whether exactly. it's somebody growing up in the 70s or today mm-hmm. your exposure level is different but you're still exposed to things exactly, so exactly. it's kind of that relationship you have is going to be what i guess is your main driver exactly. of where these things go and i also want to add too i think you, we have to understand uh the nuance uh so for example i mentioned the importance of having boundaries um, having values, um, not being judgmental. But one thing I do, I want to make sure that people don't get confused by this. Part of these things is validating your child. So this is what I'm trying to talk about. You you want to validate your child, right? But you cannot validate the invalid. What do I mean by that? I mean that if your child were to come to you and say, I want to commit suicide, you can't say, well, you can't say, that's, that's invalid. I cannot validate that. But let's talk about how you're feeling this way. Let's talk about um, having more emotional regulation. Let's talk about mindfulness. Let's talk about possibly getting the help that you need. So this is what I meant by actually having communication. You know, having your child feel comfortable speaking to you. Because again, again, you want to validate your child, but you cannot invalidate things that are not are not in the best interest. Whether it's say like suicide, whether it's drug usage, whether it's you know engaging on unsafe um, practices, whatever. So I think that that's that's an important a- aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. When it comes to, I I just keep coming back to like, kind of like the recipe for having that closeness. Like, is there, you know, you should talk about deep stuff every day or, you know, I'm just (laughs) trying to step it out. Yeah, exactly. I I, I think the beauty of having an open dialogue with your child is you want your kids to also realize that you're not infallible. <laughs> so, so once you are able to have discussion, able to share your experiences, that in itself can strengthen the bond that you have with your, your child. So being able to, to say, well, this is why, going back to, to friends, right? I know that you're 
you you're good friends with the specific person but as a parent i'm a little bit concerned about their parents i'm a little bit concerned about the values within that home that may not necessarily be in line with our values and this is why i feel this way a b and c i think that goes a lot farther does it say well you can hang out with this person and and that's it because i mean just the reality of being an adolescent i mean part of adolescence is a natural almost a healthy rebellion to a certain extent so so what you do you're just making the 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 alert to that much stronger right so i think you know having being able to have these these conversations and again the child may be able to to navigate you know give give your response well you know i don't know if i necessarily feel this way because of a b and c then then you realize that you've learned a lot because one thing that we you also have to understand and this is the beauty of parenting is that you learn a lot from your children it's not just a one-way street you're both learning tremendously from each other it is truly a symbiotic relationship yeah there's nothing like it yeah <laughs> you know you, you learn patience <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you, you, you learn, you learn per- perseverance. Um, you love, you learn love. Mm-hmm. Um, you truly, I mean, these—it's—it's it's a powerful, powerful, powerful experience. And I think ultimately, like, what is one of the long-term goals, like, like tangible goals that a parent has for a child? You want your child to be able to, to to take care of themselves when they're adults, or at least you want them to be safe, you know, when they're adults. And and I said I'm thinking about about parents that have that have children that have um devo- developmental uh, struggles, challenges. So that is what you want from from your child. Hence the importance of understanding the skills of being able to function in a community, function in a society, not isolating yourself. I think those are really important tools, a skill set that you want to, you want your child to develop. This was amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. View. I've learned so much. I hope the parents listening have learned and hopefully everyone can kind of take away some insight about, you know, talking with your kids Mm -hmm. and how to keep them safe. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The material provided through this podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.